Dear fellow redeemed, our scripture reading for today is taken from the first letter of St. Peter, the third chapter, beginning with verse 13. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. When I was in seminary, one day I was walking home to my apartment downtown and uh, came past a bus stop. There was a little bench there, and there happened to be two men sitting at the bench. They didn't see me. Uh, I was kind of behind them, and one of them I recognized was a man from my congregation uh, when I was a little child. He'd been a fairly faithful churchgoer, and I hadn't seen him much lately. He had become, throughout his life, uh, by the time I was now in my 20s, he'd become what we might call a street person and had, had struggled with alcoholism and, and uh, had a broken family situation and, and oftentimes was just kind of living on the streets. And I hadn't seen him for a while, and I saw he was in this intense conversation with a man at this bench. So I came walking up behind the bench. I thought it would be kind of interesting to hear what they're talking about. And this is what I heard him saying to the man. you got to understand... You don't get to heaven by your works. You get to heaven by what Jesus did for you. It's by grace that you're saved. Everybody thinks it's by how good you are, and that's not what it is. It's because of what Jesus has done. And I thought, wow, that's great to hear. What an opportunity he saw to spread the gospel to this man. And uh, I didn't expect to be hearing that when I walked up behind him. It was really a wonderful thing to see. And I thought, here's God the Holy Spirit working through this man who's had so much trouble in his life, a troubled soul indeed, and yet here the gospel is being presented to another soul for that person to hear. That wonderful hope that we have of going to heaven by God's grace, that hope is a beautiful thing, and uh, that hope is exactly what St. Peter is writing about in our text for today. This, he says to Christians, the hope that is within you, the hope that God the Holy Spirit has instilled in your heart because of the work of Christ. And when, when God speaks about hope to Christians, it's not just a wishful dream and kind of like, well, I, I hope something happens that you have no control over. When God uses the word hope, he often attaches the word living to it. In fact, just two chapters, a couple chapters earlier than this, uh, St. Peter talks about the living hope that we have as Christians. Living, it's alive, it's real, because it's connected to work that's already done. It's connected to the atonement that took place already on the cross. It's connected to the empty grave on Easter Sunday. It's all accomplished, it's all done. It's not something that, has, that may possibly yet happen, it's all an accomplished fact. And so when Christians believe in this hope of the gospel, God never talks to us in scripture as, as if it's like a maybe or a possibility. That's not the way God describes it. Listen to some verses. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, having been justified. 
Jesus said to his followers, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. He doesn't leave you hanging like, is this maybe possible with some uncertainty? Like there's still something you have to do? By grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, St. Paul says. God says to his believers, you are a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Not you will be or it's possible for you to be. So when God speaks about the hope we have, it's a bold hope. You have every right as a Christian to say, I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going there because of Christ. Nothing can change it because of Christ. And the boldness that you can have about going to heaven is also the very thing that creates a boldness in the confession of the church. The confession of the hearts of believers to now speak of this Christ to others and bring this wonderful truth to the world. The gospel has an amazing power to it to create evangelists. It creates its own spreaders of this truth. You know, Jesus gives us that picture where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And he's, he's there describing how, how the good works in our lives as believers in Christ flow because of our relationship to him, our connection to him. The juice or the fluid, the life-giving fluid that comes from this true vine goes down into your heart and mind and produces grapes on us that God loves to see. And one of those types of grapes is evangelism. One of those types of grapes is the support of the work of the gospel is to want others to know about Christ. The, the very gospel that has attached you to Christ to make you a member with him and give you the hope of heaven is the very thing that produces this love for souls inside of you and me to want other people to learn about this amazing Savior and what he's done for us. You know, it's interesting. There are some commands in the Bible for us to go out and make disciples, of course, but there really aren't a lot of them. There are some, but there aren't a lot of them. This is one of them. Why is that? Well, here's why. Because when you believe in Christ, it's just automatic. You just produce that fruit. It's something that, that just flows out of Christians. They just want other people to know and to hear about this wonderful Savior that they have come to learn about in their life. And in whatever way that that means in your life that you promote and support the cause of the gospel, it's just an automatic thing that comes out of Christians. There's a great story where <clears throat> the apostles Peter and John were brought in front of uh, some Jewish leaders uh, because of preaching the gospel and everything. And they were basically telling them to be quiet. We don't want you to say this stuff anymore among the Jewish people. And there's a great line where they say back to these leaders, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We've witnessed the risen Christ from the dead. You think we're going to shut up about that? You think, you think we're gonna, not going to tell people how to get out of their graves someday? You've got to be kidding me. This was worth dying over. This was worth giving their life for. So when the Holy Spirit works faith in the heart to grab onto this hope we have in Christ, it, it automatically produces this love for the mission of the church. You can see it in a lot of little Bible stories. Think of the, the woman at the well that Jesus came to talk to, the woman from Samaria. And she goes back into her town and she says, come and see. you got to meet this guy. 
Think of the shepherds after they go and see the birth of the Christ child. We're told they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. On their way back to their flock, they talked about everybody they could. Even the thief on the cross in his dying moments, hanging there, confesses Christ to the other malefactor and defends our Savior and tries to convince him to look at Christ in a different way. I had a great example of how the gospel creates evangelists years ago when I was a young pastor. It's probably the first year I was in the ministry. Some of you heard me tell this story. And there was a couple that had been brought up in a church where you were taught that part of what gets you to heaven is how good you are. And you better follow certain rules and laws. And if you don't, it's questionable whether you're going to get to heaven, at least in a certain amount of time. And they were really concerned about that. Well, they now come to our church and we're going through like adult instruction. And they had learned the beautiful freedom of the gospel. That because Christ has died for us, he's done it all. He's taken care of it all. And what was interesting is after class, you could almost see the light bulb going on in their brains as they were reading these passages. After class, they came up to us. We had not yet talked about evangelism or mission work in the class. It was like the second class. And they said, how can we convince our relatives to listen to this and to what the Bible says about this? And I thought, isn't that interesting, that they hadn't even been taught to be evangelists yet, but they just automatically knew that they wanted to reach somebody else with this wonderful truth. True faith in Christ loves to see the kingdom of God grow. We love to watch baptisms, both infant and adult. We love to see new congregations get started. We love to see more people coming to hear the word of God. We love to see a new mission field begin to open up in the world. And in your personal individual life, God will, in some way, shape, or form, place an opportunity or opportunities in front of you. And it may come in a variety of ways. That's why Peter says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Do this with gentleness and respect. St. Paul tells, us in, uh, tells the Ephesians and the whole church that God has prepared certain works in advance for us to do. It's kind of an interesting way to look at your life, isn't it, and your vocation in life. That God has prepared certain works in advance for you to do. But I want you to think about that today specifically regarding evangelism and the support of the mission of the church. What opportunities will God put down in advance in your life for you to do? What particular conversations might he place in front of you where you will have an opportunity to share this beautiful, precious hope? My dad was a pastor for many years, now retired. And I remember he was serving a church up in Grand Forks, East Grand Forks, Minnesota, years ago. And he told me, that there's a lady in his church that always sat in the back row. And uh, she was a single mom, very poor. But she almost always had somebody in church with her. And frequently, she'd have a guest with her in church. A couple of them, I think, had even taken instruction to join the church. And my dad was talking to her one day, and he said, where do you meet all these people that you bring to church? She said, the laundromat. The laundromat. She said, I'm sitting there watching my clothes dry, and I strike up conversations with people and invite them to come to church with me. Now, one last point, and that is this. God has placed a joy in this work for his church, whether it's in an official capacity as a called worker in the church 
or whether it's done privately in your life. Talk to most pastors. The vast majority of them, even though they can have some tough days, they love their work. It's a joy to serve in the kingdom of God. Talk to people, individuals, who've been involved in little evangelism situations where they shared the gospel and saw the fruits of that. Maybe, maybe even if it got rejected, there's usually a joy attached to that work. Many years ago, there was a man that I had met who um, had helped to bring Bibles into Ukraine uh, during the time of the Soviet Union. And uh, many people were suddenly being allowed to read the, the Word of God that hadn't had it before. And in his pocket, he used to carry a little postcard. He showed it to me one day. And it was from a little girl. And on this postcard, he read it to me. It was in Russian. It said, I probably will never get a chance to meet you in my life, but someday I plan to see you in heaven, and I want to give you a big hug to thank you for giving me this Bible. Just think of the, the joy that you and I will get to experience in heaven of anybody that in some way recognized how God used us in some way, shape, or form to support the work of his gospel that reached their souls. Amen. Please rise for prayer. I invite you now to turn to page 166 in the front part of your hymn book, page 166. And we will use together their prayer number 140. We'll speak and pray that in unison. Almighty God, since you have called your church to witness that in Christ you reconciled us to yourself, grant that by your Spirit we may proclaim the good news of your salvation, that all who hear it may receive the gift of salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you.